As Nathan always says, what it's wonderful to see all the smiling faces out there this morning. If you're a visitor, as thank you for being here. I hope you will find that the services are edifying, uplifting to you. I hope you'll find the things I have to say are scriptural and, from, and are the truth, because that's my desire. I heard a number of people this morning say how beautiful it is outside. You don't get a day like this in the Panhandle ever. But just remember, it's nothing like what the day's going to be like in heaven every day. You and I are headed for a wonderful place. And we need to keep that in mind. We have been started a series about unity, and Monty last week began talking to us about unity. And I want to continue that from a little bit different perspective. First of all, unity is oneness. It's not necessary that I agree with everything you say or you agree with everything I say, but because of our love for each other, we are one in Christ, for he has chosen us to be his people. The scriptures talk about esteem others more than oneself or to serve others. You know what? If I esteem you or I think you're better than me and I try to serve you and you think that John McCall is better than you, which you're wrong, but is better than you and you try to serve me, we're going to have unity. There's no reason not to. For to be humble and gentle and caring leads to unity. Last week, Monty finished his lesson with this Scriptures here that in Psalms, the 133rd Psalm, and I'd like to begin here in my lesson. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessings, life forevermore. How good it is and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. If you remember back in Exodus, God gave Moses a recipe to make a fragrant oil. And that oil was a holy oil. It wasn't to be used by anybody else. You couldn't copy the oil. You couldn't use it in your house. It was to be used at the temple and the worship services. And one of the things it was used for was to sanctify the high priest the new high priest. In this case, Aaron was the first. And evidently, they poured the oil down his head and it ran down his beard and onto his clothes. It was a sweet-smelling savor. savor. That would be what God would give unto man. And he said, it's pleasant, just like that, to have unity. It's like the dew of Hermon descending from the mountains of Zion. There's a set of hills we would call large hills or mountains there in Israel that run relatively close to the coast and anything to the right of them is desert looking north right of them is desert to the right is the Mediterranean Sea and the moisture goes and feeds that land and the dew that is there causes the 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 desert flowers to prosper and the animals that are there the devil and the desert animals eat from that prospering foliage it's given by God the dew is there for you and I in unity of spirit how blessed that is to be it's given to us by God if we will but accept it David said dwell in unity well that means to be pleasant 
to be peaceable, to be comforting. If we're dwelling in unity, those are the things we have. A new word that I made up, disunity, which is the opposite thereof, is strife, discomfort, division. Disunity is so bad. The scriptures talk about it as being evil. So we need not to be the opposite of unity. We need to strive to be pleasant and comfortable because you and I are one with another. Here's a question for you. What's our goal? You say, well, it's pretty straightforward. It's I'm going to go to heaven. That's my goal. I want to be in heaven. Well, yes, but it's deeper than that. Thank you, Caleb, for reading this morning. But there in 1 John, John says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, speaking of Jesus Christ, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Yes, we want to go to heaven, but I want to be in fellowship with God. I want to be there. I want to be in fellowship with his son. So do you. And if we have truly that fellowship, not only will we have that fellowship with the father and the son, but we'll have the fellowship with each other here on this earth. And that should be our goal. He continues there by saying, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Someone says that they believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and then they go about their worldly life and do the things they want to do in the world that are against what Christ has asked us to do, that person has lied to himself. And he is in darkness. And God is not in darkness. He is in light. And if we walk in that light, and we have fellowship with Jesus Christ, then we will have fellowship one with another. We will be together. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, in the first verse, it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech that you walk worthy of the calling from which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness and with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. All through this lesson, the word love is going to show up. And that's because we don't have anything if we don't have love. And we need love in order to have fellowship. We need love in order to have unity. And if you see there where it's talking about that we need to walk worthy, God called us to be his children. And if we're going to walk worthy, then we need to be humble, lowliness and gentleness with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. It says endeavoring to keep the unity. I like what the English Standard Version says. It says eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. It's not that we have to or we need to. We want to. We'll do whatever it takes to stay in unity. Whatever we need to do, whatever we need to be humble and we need to work towards, we need to be eager to maintain unity and not find ways to split it apart. Then he says in the bond of peace, unity is held together by peace, by the peacefulness that we have together. That's the glue that holds. It says keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If you continue reading there in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, you'll find that 
The Apostle Paul tells them that there were apostles, there were evangelists, there were teachers, there were those going about to spread the word that everyone could hear the word and become a tour in it. And he says then that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But the speaking of truth and love may grow up in all things on him who is the head, Christ, for whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effectual working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. He says that the body of Christ is us, and it's there, it's joined and knitted together. And if each one of us does our part, whatever that part is, if each one of us does that part, you know what? The body grows, and it edifies its own self in love because we're all working towards one goal. Now I'm going to do some negative stuff. We're going to talk about the church in general, what we would say the church. In 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, It says, for as the body is one that has many members, but all the members of one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in the fact that the body is not one member but many. The early church was already having problems. Can you imagine a congregation that had Jews, Samaritans, slaves, infidels, that's what they call them, but Greeks, all in the same congregation. And they were trying to get along. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, If the foot should say, Because I am not the hand, am I not the body? Is, is it therefore not the body? And if the ear should say, Because I am not the eye, am I not the body? Is it therefore not the body? He begins to compare the body of Christ with parts of a human body. And he says, We all have our part to do. He goes on to say, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to the parts which lack it, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members shall have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individual, individually. We make up the body and we have a part to play. And we can't say that the body is made up of one part or another. We are one body, many members. Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 1, said, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same things, and that there is no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. We talked about that makeup of the early congregations. There were Jews in there that were telling the Gentiles that they needed to be circumcised in order to be followers of Christ. They were converted to Christianity, but they hung on to the Jewish rules. In fact, some of them said you got to do all the law and also be a follower of Christ. There were those that said it was wrong to eat meat that had been sacrificed to idols, but others didn't make any difference to them. There was some... Maybe not division, but there were some hard feelings about that. I loved what the Apostle Paul said, and I'm paraphrasing what he said. He says, I'm not going to meet it. I won't eat meat at all if it upsets my brother. I don't know about you, but I like meat. But he said, no, 
It's not worth it if I upset someone else. So in the early church, they already had a problem. The Bible is not a small book, but it's not a huge book. And we have men that go to college and they spend eight years getting a doctorate in divinity. What happens when they leave there? Something I don't understand. They know the scriptures very well. They probably can quote most of the New Testament. They are studied. They are doctors. They are professional. And what do they do? Some go back to the Baptist church. Some go to the Episcopal church. Some go to the Methodist church. Some of them come to the church of Christ. Our nation is divided in that we have hundreds of religions. All telling us that Jesus Christ is their head. That's not what the body of Christ was intended to be. The apostles said, I plead with you. Don't do that. And yet, mankind has divided up the scriptures to fit particular instances of what they believe and what they want to believe. Isn't that a shame? Unfortunately, I know of five or six divisions in the Church of Christ. They all have a sign out front that says Church of Christ. But for the most part, we don't associate with anybody else in those divisions. That's How shameful is that? How bad is that? That mankind would have divided up the scriptures that way and his kingdom that way because we couldn't be united. Also, and today... Because of TV and radio and social media, people flock towards one individual or another individual, and that individual is who they follow. But that's not a new phenomenon. Back in the early church, in the first Corinthians, the first chapter, 10th, well, I started in the 11th verse. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Cleo's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you say, I'm a Paul, I'm Apollos, I'm a Cephas, or I'm of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? By the word, Cephas is Peter. Already in the early church, people were saying, well, I'm going to follow this man because I believe what he says. I'm going to follow that man. And in this case, it was following Paul, and they were following Peter. And let me tell you about unity. Paul and Peter didn't agree all the time, but I think they were in unity. They had a goal in mind. I wanted to just remind you of Apollos. Look at Apollos. He reminds me of modern-day people on the TV. It says, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and was being... Fervent in the spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. And we know that Priscilla and Aquila went and told him about the baptism of Christ. But what does it say about this man? First of all, it says he was eloquent. He could really raise a crowd. He was a speaker. He knew the scriptures. He was instructed in the Old Testament. And he, it says here that he accurately portrayed them. But do you think he wanted people to follow him? No, he wanted people to follow Christ. He didn't want to be saying, I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Paul, or I'm of Cephas. No, he wanted us to all be part of Christ and follow him. United we stand and divided we fall. That's a familiar quote. In the Revolutionary War, it was attributed to a man named John Dickinson who, who used it. But I, read, I went and did some research, and Aesop, in Aesop's fables, 
used this concept, this idea 600 years before Christ. So the idea that united we stand and divided we fall is an old idea. If you remember that the Jews accused Jesus of being with the devil because he was casting out demons. And he, he said, well, that's not right. If a kingdom is, and if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, it cannot stand but has an end. He said, I can't be part of the devil because I'm doing, I'm doing things against the devil. And the devil can't stand if his own party is against him. We're studying the book of James on Wednesday night. And this was the chapter that Justin spoke on last Wednesday night. In the 13th verse it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly, sensual, demotic. It's from the devil. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. I know personally of congregations that no longer exist and were split apart. Let me tell you, they weren't split apart because they had meekness and wisdom. They were split apart because of bitter envying and self-seeking in their hearts. They were split apart because they boasted of themselves and not of the truth. What a shame. They could not be unified together, and the one calling we have is to follow Christ. And there in James, he continues by saying, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Justin said this has become one of his favorite verses here lately. The fruit of righteousness, to be righteous, is sown in peace. It's not sown in division. It's sown by being peaceful and gentle and full of mercy and good fruits. You do those things and we won't be divided. You do those things and we'll be united. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. In Colossians, the third chapter, the twelfth verse, it says, Therefore... As the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. I don't know about you, but it's going to be pretty hard to stand before the judgment and try to justify myself that I didn't forgive a brother. He says we got to do it, must do it. Why? Christ, what did Christ give for us? What did he forgive us for? What does he forgive us every day for? And I'm going to have a good excuse because I don't forgive brother. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. Romans 14 and 10 says, but why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt to your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. My accounting is to God and his son. Your accounting is to God and his son, not to me and not me to you. 
Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. They were already judging. But rather resolve this. Make a point not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. It's important that we don't judge each other on matters that are inconsequential. And that we resolve that we don't want to put a stumbling block in front of a weaker brother because we think it ought to be this way and maybe not. He goes on to say in the 19th verse there in the 14th chapter, Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Hey, if we pursue for peace and we do things that edify each other, we'll be in unity. There won't be any schism. There won't be any division. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. I am not perfect, and you are not perfect. And when we go before God, his son will make us perfect. He will see his son, and he will be able to make us stand, for God can do that. For it says, for God is able to make him stand. You may not agree with everything I think, and I may not agree with everything you think, but I don't need to judge you because there will be one that judges me just like you. But on top of that, none of us are perfect. We're going to stand before God, and he's the one that's going to make us stand. He's the one that's going to allow us to come in and fellowship with him because he's able to do it. He's God. For none of us live to himself, nor, or no one dies to himself. But we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. Who are you a servant of? You are a servant of Jesus Christ. And you and I live and die for the Lord. So you and I need to put our emphasis on that. And we need to be humble. We need to be gentle. We need to be long-suffering and have fellowship with those in Christ. Finish the lesson in Romans, the 15th chapter, and the 5th verse. Now, make the God, now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Let's be like-minded. And what do we got to be like-minded in? We got to be like-minded in the things of Christ that we can glorify God the Father, which is our desire. Therefore, receive one another, you and I, just as Christ has received us. You know, I was pretty much a dirty rag when Christ received me. So were you. He received us. So he says, why don't you receive others just like he received you? I hope there's something in the lesson to make you think in the coming weeks. It is a custom at this time that we offer a song of invitation. If there's someone subject to the gospel call, we ask you to count as we stand and sing a couple of verses of the song selected. <clears throat>